continuing our series today uh, talking about emoji life, dealing with the emotions that we all deal with. If you've not been here through this series, I would encourage you, as always, to go back, take a couple minutes. You can jump online at any time at igotofaith.com or igotofaith.tv and watch uh, previous messages, listen to them, download them, but make sure you can keep up with us. Today, as we jump into one of these last emotions, next week we're going to finish this series, but today I want to tackle one of the emotions that I think all of us deal with at one time or another. We've talked about grief, we've talked about joy, but today, man, is one of these emotions that, I'm going to be honest, kind of on the front end, it feels like we could do without it. Something we all struggle with, something at times we all deal with, but something, man, I feel like maybe, maybe our world would be be a better place if we didn't deal with it. But, you know, man, there's a lot of things I think that kind of come under that category. A lot of things in this world that I think, man, what purpose does that serve? A lot of things we experience and we go through and we think, man, what what function does that have? What What good is that? For example, let me give you one here, especially in the South, snakes. What good are snakes? I mean, in the north, we have snakes, but we have these little tiny garter snakes that, like, they're fun to play with. You guys down in the south, man, as I've moved here, I've discovered you don't have snakes, you have dinosaurs. I see so many of you posting pictures of these snakes that you have found in your garden, right, in your yard. Someone right here at Faith Church posted a picture yesterday of this. I mean, it was a python. I mean, there's this no, like, this huge snake wound up on their car when they came out on the garage. You know what you do when you find a snake that large in your garage? That's right, you burn it down and move. <laughs> Some of you guys have heard it said this way, the only good snake is a... That's right, come on somebody. You, man, you look at these things and you think, man, what purpose do they serve? What good are they besides scaring us to death and hating the property we live on? I have heard that there's different ways that you can tell if a snake is poisonous or not, which, I mean, you know, if you see a snake on your property, you want to know, is this thing poisonous? So this might help some of you out. If you want to know if the snake that's on your property, in your garage, slithering in your home is poisonous, all you have to do is get close enough to it to look at its pupils. I know, right? Like if they're slanted like a cat, it's probably poisonous. If they're round, it's safe. Who wants to get that close and find out, excuse me, if it's a snake, can I look and see your, that's it, you're dead. That's it. It's it's poisonous. Now you know it's poisonous. And you look and you think, man, what purpose do snakes serve? We hate them. But the reality is they're an important part of our ecological system. They keep vermin, uh, mice from kind of overrunning our community and our culture. So they're important. It looks like we don't like them. We think we don't like them, but they play an important role. Let me give you another one. Bees. I hate bees. And I'm going to be honest. Listen, uh, you know, once you finally get stung, it's kind of like a shot. It's not as bad as you thought, but nobody wants to get stung. And I hate bees because, like, whenever you're outside, like, they demand to be where you are and destroy your family time and your picnic. Like, I'm the guy holding the plate of chicken and the watermelon, and the bee feels like it has to be a part of my plate. So I'm, like, trying to get away from it. Like, I will sacrifice. Listen, you can have the lunch. Just leave me alone. Like, just, you can eat my food. Just don't bother me. I hate them. You think, man, what, what good are bees, man? All they do is sting you. I remember one time when I was a kid, this swimming pool that we grew up, huge swimming pool and all the way around it was grass and I grew up kind of in a lower income home and so we didn't have a lot of extra money got to go to this pool and every now and then mom would have an extra dollar so we could play in the arcade or get something to eat not very often we just got to watch other kids eat but every now and then mom would have some extra money and I remember this one day like it was the day and mom had an extra dollar and I was able to get some french fries from the little shack, right? And I was like pumped up to have my fries, have my ketchup, and I'm walking back to my blanket and I stepped on a bee. 
So it stung me. So like I'm hopping, trying to hold my fries. And while I'm hopping, I hopped right on another bee. I hate bees. What good? I curse them in the name of Jesus. But you might hate bees. Think again, what purpose do they serve? What good are they? Well, the reality is, and most of you guys know this again, they play a really key role in our ecological system. You might hate them. They might bother you. In fact, why you're here at church, they are home building nests on your home, overtaking the world. But they're playing an important part. Things like that. Today, I want to talk about something that kind of feels the same way. An emotion that we all deal with, sometimes we struggle with it. If we looked at, said we might be better off without it. In fact, this thing is called anger. And the Bible has a lot to say about the topic of anger. Most of it, and we know this is pretty negative. Listen to what the Bible says. All of these different warnings and admonitions about how dangerous danger and anger can be. Check it out. Psalm 37 verse 8 says this. Come on, read this with me. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. And some of you know this. Some of you have lost your temper, right? You've yelled at somebody. You've cursed at somebody. You've been angry with somebody. And because of your anger issues, because of your short fuse, because you blow your top, sometimes you've harmed or hurt relationships and connections. Proverbs 29 verse 11 says this, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Anybody here know some fools in the house? People that just kind of let loose, people that aren't afraid to shout out and yell because they're angry or upset about something. Proverbs 29, 22. Come on, read it with me. An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. Here's one more. Proverbs 14, 17. A, short, a short-tempered people do foolish things. So it's funny. When you read Scripture, we get kind of what I think most of us would assume anyways, and that is that anger can be very negative, that anger and dealing with anger and allowing anger in your life can be something that hurts us and harms us. In fact, we don't really need scripture. We value scripture, but I don't need really to read a lot of scripture to come to this conclusion. All we have to do for some of us is look at our lives and know that we have been negatively impacted by the power of anger. Christian counselors say this, that 50% of their workload is attributed to helping people deal with the effects, direct or indirect effects of anger. Either Christian counselors are helping people deal with their short fuses, deal with their anger management issues, or they're trying to bring counsel to families that have been hurt by anger. And a lot of us in this room, man, right? You have relationships, you have family members that are stressed, that are torn, maybe work relationships, maybe people don't want to be around you because you have some real anger issues. And so, man, it's something that all of us deal with on some level or another. But here's a question I want to ask. While it might seem that anger is something that we don't want any part of, and while it seems like at first glance that Scripture admonishes us to do all we can to avoid anger, what if, what if that anger had positive benefits? What if maybe, just maybe, the anger that we experience could be productive and helpful in our everyday life? In order to understand it, you have to look and understand where anger comes from. Now, anybody know where it comes from? Not the devil. The Bible makes it clear that each and every one of us, that when God made you, God created you in the image of God. You are not 10 billion year old pond scum that evolved. God created you and knit you together in your mother's womb. He made you exactly who you are. And when God created us, God created us in his image, which means we're like our daddy. Anybody here has ever seen my son before, there is no question that he's my boy. Like, you ain't going to see me on a Maury Povich show opening up an envelope like, I'm not the dad. He is my kid. 
Pastor Ryan's son, Dalton, looks exactly like Pastor Ryan. Do you know why? Our kids favor us as their fathers because we were a part of producing them. They take on our characteristics. When your heavenly father made you, he made you in his image, which means you favor your heavenly father. Now, when you talk about who God is and what God is like, there are these theological words like attributes. And there are the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. I know that's a mouthful, but what it means is this, that there are things that only make God, God. And we don't have anything to do with it. We don't favor God like that at all. Some of God's attributes, his incommunicable attributes are things like this, that God is eternal, right? Only God is eternal. God has no beginning and no end. Jesus said, I'm the alpha and the omega. It's only God that like he is eternal. We have a beginning and we have an end. Here's another one. God makes it clear that he never changes. He says this in Malachi 5, 2, Behold, I am the Lord your God, and I never change. The Bible says about Jesus that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that God never changes. You can count on what God is like. But how many people here know that we change? We change our mind. We change our attitude. Women, you change outfits like five times this morning getting ready. Right? We change, and we are people that are subject to change. God never changes. God is transcendent. He is outside of his creation. He is bigger. He supersedes what is made. We are a part of creation. We're in creation. We are of creation. However, there are some things that we are like our heavenly father. Some of the things that make us human, we reflect our creator God. The communicable attributes, the things that he has passed on to us. For example, love. My favorite. Everybody say love. You got to say it like some funk, some love. You know you love because God loved? Do you know that you have the capacity and the ability to love because the God who created you? The Bible says he doesn't love, he is love. So our ability to fall in love, our ability to love, our ability to enjoy love and the capacity to love, it comes from our creator who made us with the capacity that because he loves, we love. I'll give you another one, mercy. When you look at broken people, when you look at unfortunate situations and you feel compassion or empathy and you want change in there, that ability to express mercy comes from our God, who is a God, the Bible says, and I love this, his mercy is new every day. Let me just give you one more. And this is something that God has passed on to us, and that's the ability to express, sense, and feel justice. Justice is when you look at a situation that's broken and upside down, when you look at a situation, you know something's not right and something on the inside of you demands justice. Do you know where it comes from? That comes from God. And here's the beautiful thing. And I want you to see this. Anytime you see justice expressed in scripture, almost side by side, you'll see God expressing anger. Anytime God sees people who are broken, anytime God sees a world that's upside down, anytime God sees something and he is upset at what he sees because it's not right, God expresses anger. In fact, the Bible says this in the book of Psalm, listen to this, God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. When God looks at broken humanity that are in rebellion to him, that choose to live life outside of God's plan and outside of God's purpose, when God sees that kind of injustice, it makes God angry. And the same is true about Jesus. All you have to do is follow him through scripture. And you can see that Jesus, anytime he comes across an injustice, that Jesus gets angry. Some of the most outrageous times where Jesus doesn't blow his top, he doesn't, he doesn't have a short fuse, but he gets angry at the religious leaders that make it hard for everyday people to access an everyday God. 
He walks into the temple and he turns over tables and he's irate because they refuse to allow people to get access to who God is and to experience his grace. And so Jesus is irate and he curses the teacher of his day. He speaks most harshly about the topic of hell, not to lost people, but to found people. Not to worldly people, but to church people. And we see that Jesus, not just with people, but one time the Bible tells us in John chapter 11 that when one of his best friends, Lazarus, dies, that when he hears the news, the Bible says he groans in his spirit. He's angry because he cannot believe one of his best friends is dead. He is angry at what sin is doing. He's angry at people that are broken. In fact, when you look at Jesus, and some of you know this, that when Jesus went to the cross... The reason he went there, the Bible says that Jesus is our propitiation. Jesus on the cross of Calvary is the perfect place where God's justice and God's anger comes together and forms the cross. Jesus is our propitiation, which means he carried the anger. He carried the wrath of God by being the sacrifice. That our rebellion, our choices, our decisions to live outside of God's plan, we deserve the judgment of God. We deserve the justice, but Jesus stood in the gap and he took the anger of the father. And we're here today because his amazing grace made it possible. And so when you look at anger, you're like, wait a minute. I've always been taught that anger is bad, that something's wrong with anger. Well, if the Bible tells us over 365 times that God experiences anger, that God displays anger. How can a perfect God, a God that never sins, how can he who experiences anger, how can it be bad then? See, there's something here because here's what I want you to know. Just like God, just like God, we get mad at stuff. Have you ever read a headline? Have you ever, come on, have you ever opened up a browser and you, you look, watched on the news, MSN News or Fox News or wherever you go? Have you ever read it about an injustice in a world where war is breaking out? Just this past week, I read an article of a, of a Christian lady, an old lady, 85 years old, a Coptic Christian in Egypt that was being a paraded nude around the city by Muslims because they were upset at one of her decisions. I read that and I thought the injustice of that poor lady and there's something in me that cries out. When you see young children, they're being molested. When you hear about human trafficking, when you look at the brokenness around this world, is there anybody else here that gets mad and upset because of the injustices in this world? I want you to know that God put in us the capacity to experience anger, not because it's always bad, but because it can be good. In fact, here's your feeling today. Listen, anger is the heart screaming for justice. When somebody does you wrong, when somebody offends you, when someone takes advantage of you, when someone hurts you, listen, I'm just going to tell you right now, you want to make me mad? You can say all you want to me. But if you say it to my wife, if you say it to my kids, it's on like Donkey Kong. And King Kong ain't got nothing on me, right? Why? Because if, if I feel like my family is, is, is experiencing injustice, I get angry. And so anger is the heart screaming for justice. The problem is because we're fallen in our nature, we have a twisted view of anger and we have a twisted expression of justice. See, God is perfect, which means that God feels and experiences and portrays anger perfectly. See, the Bible talks about, and some of you guys have maybe heard this, that there is this righteous anger. That's God's anger because God is perfectly angry and he expresses it in a perfect way. However, we have this like unrighteous anger because what we experience and how we experience it, what we get mad at and why we get mad at, how we display our anger is out of whack. For us, a lot of us, and this is what I want to talk about today, is anger is kind of displayed as this really negative thing. 
We feel like we should run from it, but the problem isn't the anger. The problem is how we deal with it. We react to the wrong things in the wrong way. I wanna give you three things real quick to think about. A lot of us, we're reacting to the wrong thing, again, in the wrong way. What I mean by that is this, is that a lot of us, when we get angry, it's because we're really childish. Help me, somebody. A lot of times we get angry because we're immature, because we're impatient. We feel like, listen, that this world is ours and everybody else is just living in it. If everybody else would drive the speed we, that we want them to drive, everybody would treat us the way we deserve to be treated, right? We would never get mad. But because people won't get out of the passing lane. For the love of Jesus, it's 65 and you're doing 55. Move before I ram you in the name of Jesus. Listen, I'm just telling you, some of you guys have seen this. Some of you are new and we have these available. Our Faith Church logos, that saves you from people like me if you have one on. This is a good idea. Because if I see them like, well, they go to church with me. But I'm like, for the love of God, get out of the way. When it turns green, I just want to say, listen, that's it. That's the only shade of green on the light. Go. Fast food, are you kidding me? How long does it take to get a burger together? Did you have to go get the cow? Did you have to slaughter it? Where, let's go. You know, I'll give you $15 an hour when you can get a hamburger in less than 15 minutes. That's the deal. There we go. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. Come on, you're hearing me. And I look at that and I think, and ever, come on, has anybody else ever felt in hindsight like you're like, that was silly. I got mad over something that was stupid. Do you know why? Because we're reacting to the wrong thing in the wrong way. You're angry about something that's really foolish. You're angry about stuff that really doesn't matter. We are immature, a lot of us, in our expression of anger, and that's why anger is a problem. I had a conversation, a situation happened this past week. My daughter and both my daughters and my wife and I, we both have iPhones, which means we have a cell phone bill that could buy a yacht, right? Anybody open their cell phone bill? And you're like, for the love of Jesus, all I'm doing is calling people. You know, and so we have this huge phone bill paying these things. And so we have uh, insurance on our phones. My daughter's phone broke a couple months ago. My phone broke. And so we had to go get them replaced. I got to give a shout out to AT&T in, in, a, in a world of not great customer service sometimes. I got to give some props to AT&T. We walked in at 6 o'clock on Tuesday, about 6 o'clock, filled out these forms. And they said, your phone's going to get here really quick. Our, our mail runs around 10 o'clock in the morning. So 6 o'clock, the next day, 10 a.m., my phone is in the mailbox. I was like, thank you, Jesus. So my daughter's phone, I sent her a message. I said, hey, my new phone showed up today. I'm really excited about it. And she said, well, where's my phone? Is my phone there? Because she put in one at the same time. I was like, you know, no, your phone's not here. So she was irate. She was mad. She said, well, give me your phone and you wait on my phone, which that wasn't happening. So I just told her, I said, listen, I said, the reason my phone came first and yours didn't is because I have God's favor on my life. <laughs> I really told her that because I believe that. <laughs> and I just told her, and I tell my kids this all the time, I'm like, and favor isn't fair. And so about two days later, her phone shows up. Now, here's, here's the kicker. I got a refurbished iPhone 6, which is what I had, and I, I had an iPhone 6. I get a refurbished iPhone 6. When her phone shows up in the mail, she has a brand new iPhone 6S. She got the upgrade. So I'm like, wait a minute. So I'm talking to her. I'm like, listen, I pay the bill. These, I bought the phones. Like, I, like, you don't do anything but talk on the phone. You should give me the 6S and you get the refurbished 6. And she looked at me and she said, Dad, favor ain't fair. And I was like, 
And I could have made a big stink about it. But here's the thing is, come on, guys, listen, we react the wrong way. Some of you are mad about things and really you're just pouting. You're childish. We're immature. We get mad about stuff that really doesn't matter. And we get mad in a wrong way that's really not healthy. But here's the next thing. Some of us do a little bit better. We don't react just the wrong, to the wrong thing in the wrong way. Sometimes we do react to the right thing, but we still do it in a wrong way. Let me give you an example. Maybe you're here and someone has offended you. Maybe someone's taken advantage of you or upset you. And you, and you feel like, man, I have a right to be mad. Because again, typically when you express injustice, it comes through anger. And that's okay because you're like, just like your heavenly father. The problem is you express it still in a way that's really unhealthy. Let's say, for example, maybe your boss doesn't recognize your great genius and doesn't give you the raise or the job or the promotion that you think you deserve. The right thing to do would be to go to that guy, to go to that girl, to go to your manager, your boss, whatever, and have an honest conversation with them. But a lot of us, man, we get mad and we go spread venom in the workplace and, and we pout and we kick and we scream and we gossip about our boss and we slander about that person. And I just want you to know, listen to me, you might have a, a right experience with anger, but you're, you're experiencing it and you're declaring it in a way that's really not healthy. Another way, and this has happened recently here in our country, I don't know what your thoughts are on abortion, but I just, just so you know, as your pastor where I stand. I believe that God intended one man and one woman to be together in the context of marriage for life. And in the beauty of that relationship, when they come together and they conceive and have a child, I believe that that is a child, that that is a human being at the moment of conception. And when any doctor, nurse, or anybody else thinks they have the right to invade a woman's womb and rip that child and murder that child out of that womb, that's exactly what it is. It's murder. And when I hear about abortion, think about abortion, think about the 25 million children that have been aborted into this country, it makes me angry. But it does not give me the right to go and bomb an abortion center. So you can be upset about something that's right, but experience it or declare it in a way that's wrong. For a lot of us, man, the reason that God's word admonishes us and warns us, hey, don't be angry. Hey, bridle your anger. Don't give full vent to your anger is because a lot of it's foolish. A lot of it's silly. A lot of it's immature. A lot of it is impatience in our life. But when we finally come across something that we have a right to be upset about, that there is an injustice happening to us or our family or our culture or our community, it's still unrighteous anger when we address it in a wrong way. What God wants for us is for us to react to the, into the right thing in the right way. That there's an appropriate way to respond to a situation that you're upset about. Let me just give you a couple examples. Some of you guys have heard the name, maybe in history you remember this, Florence Nightingale. Florence Nightingale, she was upset at the unsanitary conditions of treating British soldiers. And because of that, because of being upset, she didn't just go home and cry herself to sleep or throw a fit in the operating room. She transformed the nursing profession forever. In fact, some of us today, if you've ever had a surgery, you are benefiting from the sanitary procedures and steps that she had a hand in putting into place because she was mad. We have someone right here in our church. I asked if I could share his story. He gave me permission. He, uh, he told me, he said, Pastor Steve, he said, I, I visited a school. This is several months back. He said, I visited a school recently where my son was. I had to go in. And he said, man, I walked up to the door, pulled the door, and it was unlocked. Nobody was there at the door to ask me who I was or why I was coming into the school. He said, I was able to walk right into that school unobstructed. 
He said, I thought about, man, recently shootings that have happened in schools. And he said, he said, I walked out of that school angry that I could just freely walk into my, my child's school and no one stopped me. No one questioned me. Well, you know what he could have done? That's a right reason to be upset. He could have went kicking and screaming. He could have went cussing through the school. He could have went to the school secretary and yelled in her face. But that wouldn't change anything. Instead, he got together with some people and he asked their opinion on what he should do. Ultimately, he got a petition together and talked to lots of parents in our community. He took that petition to the school board president, to the superintendent, and he changed, and he got money budgeted in the Lauderdale County school system. The next year, every single school in Lauderdale County is going to have a lock procedure set on the doors that you just can't walk in. See, he had a right anger, and he addressed it in a right way. What I want you to know is the reason that anger is powerful and it's beneficial is because when you sense a righteous anger, it's a catalyst to change. That God has brought certain things to your attention because God wants you to be the one that brings a change. That God wants you to be the one to make a difference. You know, I hear people walk in churches, and not just faith church, but all kinds of churches. I have A lot of my good friends are in ministry. And people walk in and they say, you know, I'm never going back there. I walked in and nobody talked to me. Nobody said hi to me. And you're right to sense that injustice. It's unfortunate that anybody ever walk into a church and not be greeted and treated friendly. But your reaction shouldn't be to kick and scream and go down to the next church. Because you know why? You're an imperfect person going to an imperfect church. Help me, somebody. Maybe what God wants you to do is to take the thing that you're angry about and say, you know what, I'm going to make sure Faith Church is the friendliest church on the planet. I'm going to get involved, and I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make sure no one ever walks in without a handshake, a hug, a how are you, because God has given you an anger. God has allowed you to see some injustice and wants you to use that anger to channel it to make a difference. Are you all hearing me today? See, that's exactly what God did. God had a right to be angry about sin. But instead, he sent his son Jesus to die in our place that today you and I, we can stand here in right standing with God. Because in his anger, he responded to the right thing in the right way. And here we are, beneficiaries. See, anger's not bad. And anger's not good. Anger's neutral. But how you deal with and express anger can either be constructive or destructive. I want to give you a couple things real quick. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to this. Read it with me. If you're in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in one translation says, be angry. Everybody say, be angry. It's, it's like the Bible's giving us permission, isn't it? It's, like, it's almost telling you, hey, get your anger on. Not about the guy in front of you that's not going fast enough. Not about your kid because, you know, he didn't make his bed. Not at your spouse because they didn't put the lid on the toothpaste. There are worse things, women, in this world than having the toilet seat up. Trust me. Because I've never fallen in, I can say that. God's saying, listen, be angry, but find something worth getting angry about. But don't allow that anger in an unhealthy way to spill over in a short fuse and blowing your top. Here's a couple ways to think about that. How do you know if you're experiencing unrighteous anger? Listen, if you're reacting to things out of selfishness, it's unrighteous anger. If you're reacting out of pride because just because your feelings got hurt, it's probably unrighteous anger. When you allow your anger to linger in your heart and pollute your own heart, it's unrighteous anger. When you carry it and you attack people instead of problems, it's unrighteous anger. 
When you allow something to hurt your relationships or hurt people, when you allow anger to hurt ultimately your relationship with God, it is unrighteous anger. But the point is this, guys, listen to me. The reason we feel anger is because God created us to experience anger just like him. But the anger that he allows us to experience, again, it's a catalyst and it's a driver to address problems, to fix situations, and to change the culture we live in. So let me ask you a question. What gets you angry? What situation at your workplace, in our culture, around this world, are you upset about? I love Christine Kane. Some of you don't know who she is, but she became aware of a human trafficking condition happening in our world. And she was upset and she was irate. But instead of just getting mad, instead of just writing letters to people or cussing about people, she decided to put together an organization that now makes a difference, setting women and children free out of human trafficking. God allowed the anger that was in her heart to make a difference in the world we live. That's why God allows us to experience anger. Because the Bible says we're the light of this world and we're to let our light shine, which means we are difference makers. Just for a couple minutes, I want to tell you just how to process anger. If you're here, like, Pastor Steve, that's me. Like, that's who I am. I just want to challenge you this way. If you have your Bibles, the book of Nehemiah chapter 5 is your turn. Let me just kind of get in your ear for a minute. You know, I talk to people all the time, and they make these statements like, you know, Pastor Steve, like, this is just who I am. You know, I'm just, I've just always been angry. My mom was angry. My dad was angry. And this is just who I am. Or they'll go back to their heritage. Hey, I'm Italian, and man, Italians, we get angry. And, or I'm Irish, and this is just who I am. And it's like people are saying that they don't have the capacity to change. And I want everybody to know that there is only one I am. There is only one person that never changes, and that is God Almighty. He is unchangeable. No matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, through God's grace, we have the capacity to change. And if your issue, your struggle, your battle is anger, you don't have to remain angry. You don't have to continue to battle unhealthy anger in your marriage, in your home, or in your relationships. The great I am can help you to change. Nehemiah chapter 5 is a great story. I would encourage you guys to take some time and, and walk through the whole book of Nehemiah, especially if you're a leader, if you're a coach, teacher, wherever you're at, manager. The book of Nehemiah is a great book to go through and really find out some great leadership stuff. If the musician can come, help me out. Nehemiah chapter 5, here's kind of where the story picks up. So around 600 B.C., the nation of Babylon invades the Jewish people. Because of the rebellion, God allows it to happen. 586 B.C., Babylon swoops down on the city of Jerusalem and destroys the city, burns the temple, tears down all of the walls around Jerusalem. About 150 years later, a group of people, man, are just, they're, they're, they're irate. How could God's city, how could God's holy city be laying crumbled? And so they decide to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city. And they follow a guy, his name is Nehemiah, who the book is written after. And they follow Nehemiah with this decision that we're going to go back to the city of Jerusalem and we're going to rebuild the walls brick by brick. And while they're in the middle of building the walls back up, restoring God's holy city, restoring the place where God's people were, all of a sudden, the Bible says that people start coming because the working day and night, they start coming to Nehemiah and complaining about their situation. Specifically, it's class warfare. You can read it on your own. Basically, the rich were taking advantage of the poor. The poor didn't have anything to eat. They were borrowing from the rich. They were mortgaging their homes. They were selling their kids into slavery. Anything they could do to stay alive. 
And so they come, and here's what the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. Basically, they were crying, saying, this is an injustice. God had made it clear in Scripture and in His law that it was okay for Jewish people to loan money to other Jewish people, but they could never do it with interest, much less take advantage of them. And that's exactly how they felt. So in the middle of this injustice, Nehemiah is the leader. In the middle of this injustice, this is what the Bible says that he did. And here's what you need to do. Three things real quick I want you to write down. Number one, you got to evaluate if it's the right thing. Say, how do I deal with anger? Again, righteous anger is dealing with the right thing in the right way. You have to decide, is it the right thing? Here's what the Bible says when Nehemiah heard about this situation. It says, when I heard their complaints, I was very angry. Some translation says when he considered their complaints, when he thought about what was happening, he's like, wait a minute, this is wrong. And some of you, man, there are things in your life, in your home, in your school, in your workplace, in our world, that when you look at it, it's wrong. And you just got to start there. And some of you, man, you're getting mad about silly things. You're blowing your top about stuff that doesn't matter. How do you walk in righteous anger? You have to evaluate if it's the right thing. It's exactly what he did. Number two, real quick, think before you speak. Help me, Jesus. Is anybody else really bad at this? I think about what I spoke and think, man, that was really bad. I should, I'm going to do better next time. We've got to think before we speak, which means if you're angry, if you feel anger coming on, take a minute. Count to 10. Take a time out. I don't care what you do. The Bible says it this way in the book of James says this about anger. It says, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. God gave us two ears and one mouth, which means we should do twice as much listening as we do talking. And when you take a moment and you breathe and you consider the situation, here's the way the Bible says that Nehemiah did it. Watch this. Nehemiah says this. You got to react finally the right way. When you look at a situation and you realize that there is this injustice and you pause, you pull back, Listen to what the Bible says. It says, after thinking it over, which means he didn't just jump in and say, guys, you guys are ridiculous. He pulled back, thought about it, gathered himself, realized what was happening was wrong. And then this, he says, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, you're hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. He dealt with it in the right way. You can read the story. Basically, it changed the entire culture of all of those who returned to the city of Jerusalem. Every one of you in this room, you have the power and the potential to make a difference. You're not here just to make maybes, mow lawns, and earn a paycheck. It's a wonderful part of life. But God puts you here to make a difference. You say, where am I supposed to make a difference? What makes you mad? Because what bothers you, what aggravates you, what irritates you, what fires you up is probably a good avenue to discover where God wants you to make an input and make a difference. And so I want to close just with this question. For all of us in this room as we wrestle with anger and deal with anger, listen to this. Do you need God to deal with you or through you? When I say do you need God to deal with you, I mean are you here and you're the guy like you lose your temper, you're punching holes in the wall at home, Nobody likes to be around you because you're always on edge. Then you need God to deal with you because 
you are experiencing kind of this unhealthy thing that God wants to really set you free from. The Bible says that we should experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That as the Holy Spirit of God works in our life, he helps us to overcome short fuses and blowing our top. If that's you, then you need God, and I need God at times to deal with me. But ultimately, God wants to work and deal through you. God wants to take the anger that you've experienced and make a difference. Maybe it's just in your home. Maybe it's in your workplace. But what would happen if we allowed the anger that we experienced to stop negatively affecting things and used it as a catalyst to bring positive change? If God did it and we're created in his image, we can do it too. And so all across this room, before I pray, if you're saying, Pastor Steve, like you talk to me today, like I deal with anger sometimes, wrestle with anger, I want you to wave at me real quick all across this room. I'm gonna pray for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that God, every single one of us in this room, God, in our struggles, in our challenges, God, as we deal with anger, I pray, Father, for some of us in this room that, God, anger feels like it has a hold of us. God, it feels like anger's out of control. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would come and work in us. God, come and set us free from the power of anger. But Lord, I pray for so many of us in this room. I pray today that you would feel a sense and an urgency and a call to be a difference maker in this world. That the thing that aggravates you is the very thing that God is using to attract your attention to your destiny. And so Lord, I pray that God in Jesus' name, God help us to channel our anger to change and be the people you called us to be. Lord, do it right here at Faith Church. God, do it right here in these people. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen.